Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Mosler. Today I got uh, Pat Wilver, uh, Trophy Point Realty. What's up, Pat? Hey, Josh. How you doing? How's it going? Always good. <laughs> so I wanted to have you on because um, you guys are, are starting to grow a lot in this community. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. So how what's your tra- how'd you get into real estate? Uh, so I bought my first house in 20... Was it 14, 15? You know, shortly after I moved to the area. Um, started listening to like bigger podcast or bigger pockets, you know, kind of the same stories a lot of people, right? Start looking into it. I said, wow, what's really cool about real estate is you can use leverage. You know, you can take out fixed rate debt and the rates are really cheap. And you can't do that with the stock market, you know. Um, so I started to get interested in it. I bought another rental property while I was still in the military. And then... I was in Korea, got an assignment, a follow-on assignment that I didn't like, kind of tired of the army, so I said I'm going to get out, and I just, like, resigned, and I didn't really have a solid plan yet, so I was looking, you know, I got a degree in civil engineering, I was like, well, I guess I'll go do that, you know, because it's my degree, and I was looking around, and my wife is still in the army, she's here at Savannah, Um, you know, job hunt wasn't so awesome, and I was like, well, I like real estate, you know, my friend Wynn, you know, I was doing real estate. I said, when you guys, you know, what if I come on as an agent? So, so I did. Going back. So you were in the military when you bought your first house. Yeah. And, and that was, um, so you were, were you stationed at like Connor or Stewart? Like, I was at Stewart. At Stewart? Yeah. Um, and what was the story? Like, why did you decide what, what, what made that house? What was the details with that house? Like, how'd you find that house? Like, why'd you decide on that house? And like, what, what was the push over the edge where you're like, okay, now I actually have to do it. Actually, have to buy it. Yeah, like why? Yeah, so I mean, I was, um, you know, I rented when I first got here, which I think was smart because I didn't really know the area. You know, I think if you're moving somewhere, it's not bad to rent a little bit. Yeah, it's just, not bad, yeah. you know, until you get to know. So I, I lived in a friggin' double wide in Midway. <laughs> Dude, it was like 400 bucks a month. Like, it was cool though. I liked it. I had some land, you know, my dog running around and stuff. Like, but after a while, you know, I had enough of that. I said, well, I want to move. You know, I'd like to buy something that. I intended from the start to rent it out whenever I eventually, you know, moved away from the area. Okay. Um, so I just wanted something a little nicer, really. Um, ended up going going for Richmond Hill. I, I, I liked Richmond Hill because, um, not that I was planning on having kids, but the schools are good, which means generally you're getting a, you know, Richmond Hill's a lot of the junior officers, more senior enlisted guys, like better tenants versus like Hinesville. Yeah. Know? And Hinesville's, Back, it's a lot better than it was, right? Hinesville, every time I go to Hinesville, you know, they have a Chick-fil-A now, you know? Really? Big time in it. Okay. I'm pretty sure they have a Chipotle. Like back, pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Back in 2014, that place was a lot dumpier. They yeah. didn't even have a Zaxby's back then, you know? So, like... But anyway, Hinesville was out of the question. I looked in, like, Alabama. I'm glad I didn't buy anything there. Um, Richmond Hill. It was cool. I wish I would have just bought a duplex, like, by Forsyth, though, because I could have bought a duplex, like probably a block or two off Forsyth and it'd be worth close to double what I could have paid for it back then. Right? It's crazy how much it's appreciating just a yeah. few years. So I kind of kicked myself, but I didn't want to make that drive. I was like, Oh, I don't want to do the drive. It was so stupid. Just do the drive. Like I tell anybody, um, they're coming to, you know, they're going to get stationed at Fort Stewart and nobody wants to do that drive. I'm like, do the drive, especially if you're young and single, like Jesus, like do the drive, just hang out in Savannah. It's such a fun town. Um, Richmond Hill's lame. <laughs> well, it's it's older community, right? I mean, no, I yeah. Like, Pe- do people love Richmond Hill? Yeah, if you like Richmond Hill, you know, it's it's it depends on what it's 
you know, what you like. Richmond Hill's not my scene, you know. I like Savannah. I like downtown. I like, you know, nightlife and restaurants and, and being able to walk places, you know. Take a run in the morning and see Take things. a run in the morning and see things. You know, I don't mind the occasional, like, gunshots. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's all good, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, that's how I bought that house. So the first and, one was in Richmond Hill. Yeah, and, it, you know, it makes me money. I cash flow. Um, you know, my payment's like a thousand bucks. I'm renting it for fifteen hundred. I got good tenants in there. They're my easiest tenants, typically, just as I knew they would be. You know, I got another house on Southside Savannah that's being a pain in my ass right now. <laughs> with, you know, so so it's good, right? I don't mind it. I built up a lot of equity. I actually listed it for sale just for kicks, just to kind of see. You know, I listed it for like too high. I I had people beating down the door, and I was like, well, I already got a, a renter in there, and I'm gonna keep it. But you know, when you so when you're really you wanted to get out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought about it. I was like, if I get, you know, the right offer and I knew it would be more than probably anybody would be willing to pay. But I mean, throw it up there. I'm a real estate agent. It doesn't cost me anything to just throw it up there. See what happens. I you know. I do understand. I think, you know, something that's been ringing in my head. I don't know. Because we mutual friend of ours. So one thing Aaron Miller told me. Right. Which is that he got uh, mentored when he was young, a younger man that they said, whatever you do, don't sell. Don't sell. Yeah. Don't sell. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, that's funny because he's got, I got one of his places listed for sale right now. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. yeah, but he's got a ton of them now. No, he's got, it's yeah, he's got, it's got. different when you got so much stuff and, and, and you can look to, you know, liquidate some capital here to buy something else, you know, but I, I kind of agree with the Like, I don't want to sell that place, even though if I could get enough money for it, right. And I could take that money and do something more useful with it. You know, that's kind of when it makes sense to sell. And the other reason I was thinking about selling is because if I sell it, um, within the next 12 months, I can take the, um, I don't have to pay taxes on it because of the two out of the last okay, five yeah. rule. You know what I mean? So after that, I would have to do a 1031 exchange, which can be a pain, you know, because yeah. you have time limits involved. So I thought, well, if I can get rid of it now and make a lot of money, then maybe I'll sell it. And then I don't have to buy something else right away. I can kind of, you know, sit on this money and figure out what I want to do, what I wanted it, whatever. It's good. No regrets. Do you think that, uh, well, for do you, so what, how'd you acquire that first one? So what kicked you over the edge and then how did you acquire that first one? What was the process like? I mean, it was just a VA loan. Um, you know, I had a, an agent, um, who like didn't really add a whole lot of value <laughs> to the transaction, you know, showed me a bunch of houses, whatever. I mean, you know, he's a salesman, you know, um, I actually had a little buyer's remorse after I bought it. I was like, God, oh, I paid too much. Cause I, I did pay, you know, I paid more than. Definitely, probably ten grand over, like the average sale in that neighborhood. What'd you get? Um, it was one sixty-eight or nine. Yeah, but it's also it was like the nicest house in the neighborhood, right? Like it was nice. It had a nice master suite. Like it was just renovated, you know, whatever. Um, but it's still, you know, yeah. So, so I don't know what kicked me over the edge. I don't know. I just wanted to buy. I just decided. I just decided I was going to buy a house, you know, and, and that's it. Had you dreamt of real estate growing up, or was that something like No, that? man. Never. Who dreams of real estate growing up? Dude? What, what I don't know. Like, I wanted to be like an astronaut, and I wanted to be a I don't mean like when you were soldier, that young. I mean you like know? when you were like getting to be like your teenagers. Like teenagers. Like, did you know that? Did you yeah. have any like aspirations no. to do anything with real estate at all? No. It's just like... I wanted to be in the military like for a whole career. You did? Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. You hated South Korea that bad? I just hated the army. The army's just so stupid, man. <laughs> like it's amazing how many people yeah. get out. I mean, like obviously, no disrespect to the guys that are in the army, but it's amazing how many guys, veterans, I hear that say that. About it's just so army. stupid. I mean, it's it's great too. I had some great times. It's the army's like a, 
I don't even know what to compare it to, right? But um, when you're in the army, it's like the army only beats me because it loves me, you know? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. But since I got out, my God, it was the best decision I ever made to get out of the army. Like, I don't, I don't regret it at all getting out. Yeah, because they just control every like aspect of your of your life, and like you get treated like a child a lot of times. You know, the, they spend so much money training you, and you, you know, I I just like what I do now. I work for myself. Um, you know, I call the shots. I, I get to make a lot more decisions. And if I want to go travel, I just go. Like, I can just go, take off. All right, I'm, I'm out of here for a little bit, you know. So I oh, like that. Like you just did. Like I just did. Yeah. yeah. So Which I wanted to ask you about that, too. Sure, yeah. So um, getting off real estate a little bit. Yeah. So did you, uh, have you always been a hiker? So for when I was a kid, I, I should say. Yeah, go what, ahead. What, what was your vacation? Just talk about it. So that. I was in California. Um, we did Kings Canyon National Park, a little backpacking trip, you know, 40, 50 miles to my friends from, from back in my younger days. Um, yeah, just backpacking. We were a little out of shape. We did, <laughs> we did a lot of vertical feet. We did like 6,000 vertical feet in the first two days. Oh, and I was just, I was just sucking. We were all bad. sucking. Yeah, we really were sucking. Um, so when I was a kid, I did a lot. I was like a boy scout or whatever. You know, we did a lot of backpacking trips and stuff like that. And I really liked it. And then once, you know, I was, you know, in the army as an infantryman, when you do that shit for a job, you don't want to do it in your free right, time, yeah. right? So I didn't. That was like one of the first times I've been backpacking in years, um, and it was good. What did you do in the army? I was an infantry officer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I I went to ranger school. Okay, you went to ranger school. Yeah. So there's a difference. There's a ranger school and there's the ranger regiment, right? So I don't say I was a U.S. Army ranger because that's like the ranger regiment. That's the guys at Hunter Army Airfield. You know, they march in a parade or whatever. I went to ranger school. That's just like 62 days of sucking dick for beer money, basically. Like, you just starve and you're tired and it really sucks. Like, it's really kind of a shitty time. Um, Why not become like a ranger? Um, it's, I mean, it's hard to get into the ranger regiment. Like, you, especially as an officer, so like, you got to put a packet in, you know, and they got to be hiring at the time that you put a packet in. And then typically they want people who had been on like a combat deployment. You know, I had been in a combat deployment when it was my time to go, you know, apply for it. Um, and you know, really, I just don't think, um, I just didn't think that was my, my stick. I I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, like, you know, you don't have to like special forces is just like a thing, right? It doesn't necessarily mean special for us army special forces, like green berets, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's what they, so like, that's totally different than being a ranger though. Oh, it is. They do a totally different, totally different thing. So I thought that ranger was special forces. No. Well, the Ranger Regiment is part of Special Operations Command, but it's not Special Forces. Special, That's a little it's, it's a little, yeah. So, like, the Ranger Regiment focuses on, like, direct action, which is, like, kicking in doors and doing raids and shit. And then, like, traditionally, the Special Forces is, like, you're, you're fucking snake eaters, you know, behind the lines of Vietnam training people. You know what I mean? Like, they do direct action now, too, you know, but they... It, it, the special special forces, your Green Berets are more focused on like training like indigenous people or like local nationals to like do the fighting for us, and the Rangers typically just do the fighting, you know. But special forces does a lot of fighting. It's it's, it's weird, man. I, okay, kind of out of the scope I mean, of this we, podcast. I feel like yeah, but. like I, and plus like in a three hours, like are you really gonna like explain like the entire economy? No, like the U.S. Yeah. military. So complex, so, right? so yeah, basically, I was not a U.S. Army Ranger. Okay, I went to Ranger School. I had a Ranger tab. Okay. That just means, like, we carried a lot of heavy shit around and trained infantry tactics. And we, you know, 
I mean, we didn't we didn't really eat. We didn't really sleep. Like you would hallucinate. You fall asleep standing up. Um, your sweat smelled like ammonia because your body was breaking down proteins and turning it into like amino acids and stuff. Like it smelled like piss. Like all the time. Yeah, it's weird. It, it, yeah. Do you like not even notice it after? You don't smell it. We didn't smell it until you. Um, I remember vividly. There's like three phases. So we came out of the. We were in the mountains in North Georgia, and we came back and we had like a shower, right? So we took we took our clothes off, you know, hit the showers, whatever. Come back, and we we're just like, like, boy, does that <laughs> smell? Like you don't smell it when it's on you, you know. But after right. you clean up, you're like, ah, damn, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun, yeah. Did you, uh, what was the incentive to do that? Was it just like, I want to challenge myself or was it if like, you're, if you're an infantry officer, it's like expected that you do it. Okay. You know what I mean? So like, you just, you just got to do it. And then like, you know, yeah, you just prove yourself, I guess, you know, prove your worth. I think is the incentive. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we'll get back on track, yeah. I guess. So you, you start your real estate career with, uh, well, it's Vessel at the time. Vestlet. Well, it's still Vestlet. Yeah. That's our broker. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, how does that work? So I don't understand. I don't know. It's, that it's much like a about... legal thing. Like a okay. broker, you know, and, and different states have different terminology, but it basically works the same. So a broker is the person who's legally responsible for like these contracts, and the broker is the one who technically represents every client. So I technically do not represent the clients, I represent my broker. Who represents the clients I got in practice that's not really how it works but the broker is the one who bears like legal responsibility like if i screw something up you know it's the broker and it's also me as well but yeah. how many things could you screw up as like a, how much liability oh is there as a realtor there's, i mean there, there could be a lot i mean there's you know typically um of course we all carry like errors uh you know insurance errors and emissions you know but i mean you screw up a contract like say you um you know, say for example, I just recently had to push a closing eight days because of some lender problems. And this closing was one that we earlier had bumped up the closing date. And on the form that's used to bump up the closing date, there's a checkbox and it says, um, the buyer shall maintain the right to unilaterally extend closing by eight days, right? Um, and I checked that. And it's a good thing I did because if I didn't, we wouldn't have had the right to you know not really push closing. And the sellers were really mad that we did this, which we didn't love it either. And it's not what we wanted to do. Right. But if I hadn't checked that box, they could have told us, "Hey guys, um, pound sand, we're taking your ten thousand dollars earnest money, and we're going to put this thing back on the market, and you guys are out of luck." And like that is something that I could have messed up. You know. Why don't they just make that like a default feature of every contract? Because well, every, I mean everything. It's should like a negotiating tactic. Everything, yeah, everything's negotiable. So you you don't want to take away things you could use to negotiate. You know, because every little thing you never know when you're negotiating. Like what's important, you know, what's important to me might not be important to you. Yeah. And and if you if you know what's important to me, and you have something that's not that important to you, and you can give it to me, well then, maybe that increases the likelihood we close a deal, and it doesn't really cost you anything. You know what I mean? But it might mean the world to me. So something as simple as that, you know. But it's like, uh, you know, that, that's a mistake. And then, of course, you know, what if, um, what if you actually act in bad faith, you know? So just, Which there are bad realtors. Oh, plenty. Yeah, plenty. I mean, there's, you know, realtors don't exactly have the best reputation, right? <laughs> I think that's more like a notch above used car salesman, I would say. <laughs> um, and there's a reason for that, you know? The, the problem with 
you know, now we'll get into like a, a whole discussion on, you know, how um, real estate agents are going to go the way to dinosaur if we don't change. But, you know, basically brokers are incentivized to hire as many agents as they can because typically they make money off desk fees and they have all these non-performers, all these like duds, right, who are just paying their desk fee every month. And what these guys do is like, you know, either they're part timers or they're not really sure they want to do it or they're just, you know, just idiots. And they go and they get their one lucky break. Oh, my God, I got a deal. You know what I mean? And and I haven't made any money in six months and I'm eating fucking canned beans and drinking vodka out of a plastic bottle. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and my God, I just have to close this deal. And yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can do to close this deal. And I'm going to I'm going to just, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. And so. So they, you know, put their client in a bad, and this isn't everybody, right? You know, let me throw in this disclaimer, but, you know, so they, you know, maybe put their client in a bad deal or they don't do a lot of deals. So they probably mess up things on the contract, you know? And so now this person just gets totally screwed over by somebody and they go and tell their friends and they tell their friends and like, you know, that's kind of, kind of how it goes. And so, you know, 80% of real estate agents get their license they're not doing business two years after they get their license 80% so they just wash out because it's like it's not easy you know to build it's easy to get licensed it's not easy to like build a client base and then build a reputation and to you know do that so the agents doing most of the, the volume you know it's a small percentage of agents who are good and do most of the volume but like I said that doesn't take too many bad apples to just you know totally kind of Anyway, reputation anyway, yeah, that's why people, you know, that's why Zillow, you know, Zillow is coming for our lunch money, right? You yeah. Know? So it would, it would be harder for Zillow to do that if we would clean up their profession and just like, I think raise the barrier to entry and just kind of get rid of, you know, we, we got to change the incentive structure, you know. You think that My that opinion. would, because I mean, the thing about Zillow, the reason, I, I, and this, I mean, this is just my opinion, I guess, but like the reason why I feel like Zillow is coming for agents is not necessarily because of bad apples per se, but more so just because most people that are shopping for houses, they can just get online, see all the pictures that they want and they fall in love and then that's the house they're going to buy. Right. Right. And that, and that is definitely, you know, it used to be, you know, what agents would, you know, like an agent to show you all these houses. Right. Because it was in this MLS and it was like, what was like literally like a book or something, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm not that old. Right. So yeah. But, you know, I don't think that's the reason why, because people can still show you houses and there's still a lot of inside knowledge just, just from being experienced in the market. You can say, hey, no, this house looks cool, but like this is overpriced because of this reason or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. So like it, I think it's good, you know, that people can do that stuff. Um, but I, I think, you know, the biggest reason is people are like, holy cow, this is 6% to sell my house, you know. Um, what's the value? You know, people got to think there's a value. I think for most people there is, if you hire a good agent, I think there's a value in, you know, pricing right, you know, marketing, negotiating, handling contracts, you know, making sure that, that it actually gets to the closing table. Um, unless you're active in the market and you can do a lot of your own deals, I think that's a good value. But the problem is, you know, how do you know who's a good agent? You know? Yeah, I think, um, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next three to five years. Yeah, I don't know. I might not I mean, have a job in ten years. Well, I think you know? you, I think yeah. you'll st- there'll always be a place, right? Yeah. But, I mean, there's still travel agents. Are there really? Yeah, there really is. Actually, I just met with one yesterday. Really? Yeah. Who do they work for? Like sixty-five year olds that don't know about Airbnb or what? His specialty is high net worth clients out of New York City. 
Okay, I could see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, he only has to do like a few trips a year, and he's you he know makes okay. a good he's like semi retired yeah. anyway. So yeah. Um, I can see that. I can see that. Which that might, you know, because luxury real estate, I mean, I don't, you know, you ever see Ryan Serhan at all? Yeah, sure. So, like, that guy, like, sells houses, like, using, like, FaceTime. Yeah, he's killing it. He's killing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, how long before you don't even need, like, a license? Like, you just call somebody, like, you know, like, Zillow has people set up in these markets where they just show you, like, a tour in person. And it's, like, an agent that works for Zillow. Maybe right. Like, a handful of those in every city. Yeah. And just like do nothing but I mean I don't know who knows how it's gonna work but whatever it's like I think that the wholesale industry is gonna start getting hit pretty good because of the have you seen like the iBuyers hmm like Zillow oh oh yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah. I got yeah I know exactly what you're talking about I got a client we're closing today on uh, his new his new place um, he sold his house in California to Zillow. And that's, yeah, dude, these he big sold his house to Zillow, and, and the thing is, so he sold his house to Zillow. He was a real estate broker. I was like, he, he was not anymore. He did it for a while. He's doing a bunch of REO stuff, um, and I was like, why? Well, you know, just curious. And he's like, you know, he, he he said he just needed to be certain that it would close, you know, because of his situation. He's like, could I got a little bit more? Yeah, probably. So they did but beat him up on the price. Not too bad. I mean, you know, he's a smart guy. Like he wouldn't have let them beat him up. Whatever it was, right? It was enough to justify, and, and he told me he's like, I don't know how they're gonna make money, you know, because it's not they lose millions every year. Have you seen yeah, that? it's 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 it. I think they bought it like a little bit below market value, right? But like not not much, you know. What I mean, not a whole lot. So yeah, they, but they just lose just money. Like, yeah, they don't care. Like they're like they put like billions of dollars into this program, yeah. just to see how it runs. Yeah, and so if they lose millions of dollars, it doesn't the matter. Next well, they years, have all they this venture care. capital. I mean, they have so much money. It's it's like Uber, dude. So Uber loses money every year, right? Well, Uber, you know, Uber's great and Uber's really shitty at the same time. You know, Uber's great because taxis... Do you remember trying to get a taxi? Not really because like, I was pretty young. You like, were? Uber so, came out in 2011. Right. So I was like a junior in high school. Okay. So like... Really? Am I older than you? Hey, I'm 25. Damn. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I was in college and I remember, um, you know, me and my buddies, we'd be out... Um, New York City was always easy to get a taxi. Of course, we you know we weren't too far from New York City, so we used to go down there and, and drink and party and stuff. But you know we would go. I'm from near Pittsburgh, so sometimes some of my friends and I we go to Pittsburgh or we go to you know whatever. And I remember trying to get a cab in Pittsburgh was a nightmare, nightmare. Why? I don't know why. Like, it's just a, a was nightmare. there a bunch of them there? No, there's not. So it's not like New York City where you just flag one down. You know, like you got to call one, right? And it takes them forever to show up. And a lot of times they don't show up when they're supposed to. And I remember a couple of times too, like I'm leaving college to go catch a flight. And like, I got to get a cab to the train station. And like, they need to be here right at this time. And they never showed up on time. And so when Uber came around, I was like, this is amazing. Like, you know, and, and I don't feel bad for these cab drivers. I really don't. I don't feel that bad for them. Because they, they, got, they got their business model disrupted, right? So they couldn't adapt. Uber had a better service. The problem with Uber is their drivers you know, the people who drive for them really don't make enough money to like live off of. Right. So, no. you well, know, unless you're working obscene amount of hours, right? Right. And, and you feel and, like and even your own then, boss, but you really aren't. Yeah. And even then Uber, um, you know, who catches all the depreciation on these vehicles? It's the drivers who drive for Uber. Right. But Uber also is losing money every year. So Uber is running a negative, their negative yeah, cash flow, never made money. Right. But they just have to hold on until they can just get rid of the driver. And that's what they're trying to do. 
they want to have their autonomous cars, right? And they just drive themselves around. And that's not too far away. Well, I think that's Zillow's strategy. Like, I mean, this right. is just theory. They just need to but lose like, money. All they have yeah. to do is wait out all these guys. Right. And once enough fat falls right. off the bone, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. That they can jack up the, you know, they can start paying less and, or jack up the prices yeah, on the exactly. back end. Exactly. I mean, think about, like, if you buy a house, right? Like, you could, like, I'm not saying they do this, and maybe they never do. Yeah. But in theory, you could jack this estimate down to convince somebody to sell to you. Buy it. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Change the algorithm. Yeah. To... There's all kinds of stuff you could do, right? I mean, it's like not. Um, I don't and know. It's a man. monopoly. I feel like coming. I mean, I don't know. Well, there's a lot of other. I mean, you got you know Realtor.com or Redfin. Like it's it's less of a you know. Of course, ride sharing is like a duopoly. You know, Uber and Lyft, right? Um, and whoever I'm using depends on whoever's giving me a deal. You know. Yeah. Like um, check that little like. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so I don't, you know, if Zillow eats up the competition, I don't know, but you're absolutely right. And, and that, the damn estimate, you know, I don't, it shouldn't be legal to put that thing on there because it's usually wrong, especially in Savannah. Yeah. Especially, like, oh yeah. And these markets that are like yeah. so niche. And, like, and so somebody's like, oh, but, but my estimate, like, but your estimate doesn't matter, you know, yeah. but they don't. Your house on the other side of 37. Like, right. No one cares. They, they don't want to hear that though, especially when you're just a scummy real estate agent. Like, oh, you're just telling yeah. me, you're just telling me that because you want me to list it low so you can get a quick sale. And I'm like, not really. But you don't know me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you don't know me. But yeah, assessment. And, and you know, I did. Um, I did a flip with a client of mine. Um, we just recently closed on the the resale. So you know, I go in there and he bought it, of course, for cheap, right? Dirt cheap. So like, this estimate, like, I won't do this in the future, you know. But I I put my sale on it because I'm going to claim my sale, right? You know. So I, know, I sold yeah. this, you know, I sold it, and it tanked the this estimate. Right, and I was like, "Oh boy!" And so then, like, you know, I'm listed at 169. His estimate's like 140. You know what I mean? And people just, see that when they're yeah, cruising through. Yeah. Now we sold it for 169. You know, like, because it's it's a good house. You know, but that's yeah, his estimates, man. But it's a starting point, though. You know what I mean? Especially if you're trying to analyze a lot of deals quickly. Like, it's I guess somewhere to start. But it it's doesn't. It's like a quick reference, right? It's like, good yeah. in the suburbs. I'm sure it's better in the suburbs, like a more homogenous neighborhood. Yeah, or where there's know? markets where, like, for a long ways, like you don't have a lot of variation. In, right, right, right. Yeah, if I'm looking at somewhere like, um, you know, I, I made a couple models to like try to model the price per square foot versus sale price. If you go to like Savannah Quarters or like Southbridge or the landing, especially the landings, like if you tell me the square foot of a house, like I can pretty much tell you what it's. Worth what it's worth things. without even like looking at it you know is you just tell me the square footage and like hey is this recently renovated or is this dated and we, uh, you know it's easy you can't do that in savannah like downtown like, you can't yeah. do it you, it's case by case and even then like there's sometimes i'm like eh, i think this is probably you know um because it's just so weird you know what do people think about the crack house down the street a lot of buyers don't care you know which is crazy yeah. like you'll have like a brand new renovated house go for like Quarter of a million dollars, three hundred thousand dollars, and like literally two doors down, crack house. It's crack house, yeah. falling apart. Like, yeah. like that's where I live. Like, rip the dude. There was a shooting. The like, you know, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, they happened? and they did a big raid. Um, there they had like two police helicopters and like all these SWAT guys like just down the street. I was like, you know, but it's the shoes on. Uh, the shoes, yeah. The shoes on. Yeah. Shoes uh, Waters. Well, Waters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which uh, you're hip on that Waters corridor right now. I'm all about it. All about it. I like the Waters Corridor, too. I think, or do you think it's going to be in 10 years? I think it's... And why are you hip on it? So, there's a lot of... 
There's a lot of money coming into Savannah. I talked to a lot of people, you know, a lot of like institutional money is big on the Southeast, you know, and so they, they look around, you know, where's value to look in Charlotte, Raleigh, Jacksonville, you know, and then Savannah is kind of like off the radar. Savannah's like a tertiary city, not even tertiary, you know, if you're like a big commercial real estate, not really on the radar, right? But it's getting there. I'll get to Waters in a second. First, my Savannah thesis, right? Okay. So Savannah's, Savannah's, because you can't understand Waters without understanding Savannah. Okay, sure enough. Right. So Savannah's, Savannah's getting there. So we got this port, right? And this port is just cranking, dude. Like The largest single container port in America or the busiest? Um, no, I think, I think LA and Long Beach have a beat, but it's like right up there. It's a, it's a top three or, no. This year it's been number one. This year. Yeah, this Th- year. This year. Yeah, yeah. So, so that port has doubled in size in the last 10 years. And along with it have been local jobs, right? I mean, it's like a pretty linear. Like city. It's a, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's a pretty linear relationship. Like you know, volume of, of cargo. I'm using my hand to illustrate. Yeah. Nobody can see it, but you know, <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty linear relationship. Volume of cargo through the port versus jobs. And a lot of these jobs are well paying. You got truckers. You got you know train. You know Norfolk Southern and all that stuff. And then you have the associated jobs. You know, restaurant, retail, whoever's with that, right? You also have young professionals, you know, logisticians, you know, who have to um, help manage that process. So that's huge. SCAD's huge. SCAD's pretty much doubled as well. SCAD is a real estate company just as much as they are a college, right? Oh, um, yeah. When SCAD buys, for people yeah. that don't know outside Savannah, when SCAD buys something in community, yeah. everybody, that community automatically starts yeah. increasing. Yeah. Like the, the oh, what's that grocery store chain? Um, not Whole Foods. The opposite of Aldi. Um, Trader Jack Joe's. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's like a whole. I was saying, I was thinking like tra- Whole Foods. No, no, when Trader Joe's goes into a community, yeah. like all the real estate prices like yeah, go yeah, up yeah. by like ten percent. Yeah. So, so, so we've got you know I've got a bullish thesis based on industry, and and by the way, they're building a whole new terminal, right? Yeah. Um, so this is this is coming up. A lot of people are big on it. You know, Savannah's kind of like half price Charleston in my mind, right? Yeah. So it's 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 coming up now. My Waters Avenue thesis, right, is it's tax incentive. Um, there's three different tax incentives. The city of Savannah has one. You develop any lot that's touching Waters Avenue, you get some great tax incentive. Dude, it's like you don't pay any property tax for like the first five years, depending on what, what? you do. You have to increase the value of the parcel a certain amount, right? So you have to, you know, you basically, you basically have to develop. It's not going to be enough just to like rehab you know, a duplex, like you basically develop, right? Um, there's also incentives to create jobs. I think if you create like two jobs, you get tax write-offs on income tax. And then Waters Avenue is also in a federal opportunity zone. So federal opportunity zones is, you know, that's basically just like rich, rich people. Like you're not, but, but they take stock gains. They put it into an opportunity zone fund and that fund goes and develops something, right? I'm pretty sure Plant Riverside is, is in an opportunity zone that new development um it's a weird place for an opportunity zone yeah there's an opportunity zone all that? do you know the opportunity zone stuff so that came about um when did that was that was i think trump i think trump did it trump, yeah, yeah. I, I knew that but like do you know well, really congress know. did it right i like to yeah, get it congress. so congress yeah, yeah, did yeah, it let's be, so we don't have a dictator here. congress yeah. did it but um trump signed the bill of course yeah. but yeah that was in so that was you know I think it's a good idea 
you know, to yeah, do the that. opportunity zone theory yeah. is a great idea. But right. my question is, where? How do they decide that? Uh, it's it's based off census tracts and like basically if it's like a, a poor underdeveloped census tract. So there's like census tracts, and you can see it um, on like a. Have you ever heard of Sages? Have you ever heard yeah, of yeah, Sages? Yeah, Sages yeah. every day. Yeah, so Anybody Sages. in Savannah, Sages so they, is the word to be. Yeah, they have layers. So they have like an opportunity zone layer on Sages. So you can take a look right, at like fine. what the opportunity zones are. Um, and so there's a couple. There's one that goes down waters. There's one. Um, there's on either side of River Street, there's opportunity zones. And guess what's been going on on either side of River Street, right? A lot of development. Yeah, a lot of development. wonder why. I wonder why. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's opportunity zone funds doing that development, but I would, would hazard sense. a guess that it yeah. probably is, right? Um, so anyway, huge multi-million dollar investments for people. That huge, are so yeah. It's not like so, so an opportunity guys. zone isn't like, hey, I want to build a bodega. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's usually like, hey, I'm building a hundred units or more. You know, yeah. which is one thing that like, you know, waters is not really conducive to a huge development, right? Um, but it's, it's, it's. It, I think it's going to be kind of like a chicken or the egg. You know what I mean? Like you're you're starting to see the the younger crowd move in, right? on that side of town is, you know, people go and renovate places or whatever, you know, it's starting to, it's starting to be like that. Um, you know, where I, you know, the street I live, you know, there's people who've lived in their houses for 50 years, you know, and then there's, you know, college kids, you know, all kind of commingling, living in the same place. Um, but, you know, I look at waters and I see this crowd. I'm like, dude, if, if, if we put a, another coffee Fox out here, they put one on Louisville Road. I don't know. Like, oh, they did. Yeah, I was I like Louisville. I, it's apparently, like the it's like a. Direction. Apparently, it's like a storage place for them too. I don't know, but I was like, I wish they would have put one on Waters. You know, I think I think Waters. So I think Waters starts to look like Starland. You know, because Starland used to be pretty dumpy. Is Starland Opportunity Zone? It's not. Okay. I'm yeah. Sure. Um, it's not. There is near like MLK and between MLK and Montgomery, there's some more tax advantage stuff. Okay. Guess what? There's development going on there too, right? Oh, there's yeah, those new apartments between yeah. MLK and Montgomery, yeah. right? Um, so, like I said, you know, the tax incentive is a big thing. The other thing is that the, you know, the younger crowd is starting to live out there. Um, is this like a cheaper, that's why I live out there. It's cheaper, right? I, would I prefer to live on Forsyth? Yeah. But, you know, you know, Seriously. I don't want to spend the money on yeah. it. Um, so, yeah. And where the, I think, I've heard this before. I can't. I think it was on Bigger Pockets. If you pay attention to where the young crowd goes and follow your investment with them, right. you almost always will win. Yeah, yeah, because the young crowds seem to have like the, you know, they just bring they young energy. To, yeah, yeah, I mean, bring, yeah, yeah, it brings life to these yeah. older. Um, so that's you know, but there's there's a lot of contention though because, um, you know, that side of town like Benjamin Van Clark, Live Oak, Live Oak, like this was all like redlined areas. You know what I mean? If you're familiar with with redlining or anything no, like no, that. Yeah, so you know, basically, um, we used to discriminate, of course, yep. in real estate. You know, and that was redlining was like the federal government. Take you back to the Great Depression, right? Mm-hmm. So Great Depression, um, a lot of people were defaulting on loans, right? Before the Great Depression, there wasn't a 30-year mortgage really. You would like, was it was like a, usually like a 10 year note and you would just have to pay it all back when it was due. Right. And people would usually refinance. Well, great depression, nobody was extending credit anymore. So people were, you know, losing their houses. So the federal government's like, well, we got to do something. So they start basically subsidizing. That's where the FHA comes from and all that stuff. Right. Um, all these programs that we know so well, well, they didn't want to lend to black people basically. 
you know, and they had these like neighborhoods and you can, uh, there's maps of Savannah, um, of like where, like how they classify neighborhoods, man. And so where I live now was like, you know, risky, you know, high percentage of colored people, you know, quote unquote, it's like how they say it. Like you can read it. It's crazy. So, so the thing is, right. You know, how upset would you be if you're 80 years old and when you bought your house, you know, they said, well, you just got to live here. You know, you got to live here on this, on this part of town. You can't live in Ardsley. If you look at Ardsley, Ardsley was like, even back then, Ardsley was like, oh, this is a good community with a lot of white people. Like that's literally what the federal government, you know, in their loan program qualified or classified it as. Right. So it's crazy to think that 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 was less than a hundred years ago. Dude, that was less, that didn't stop until the early sixties. Like sixty four, I think. Isn't so like, crazy. So there's people. I have neighbors who probably bought their houses. Like, well, that was still going on. Yeah, and and so now, you know, now these are like kind of neglected parts of town, you know, and now there's all these, you know, people coming in, fixing everything up, getting properties on the cheap. You know what I mean? Like I, I definitely, there's a lot of consternation, and I, 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 I get it. You know what I mean? Like. It's um when so, you have access to maps like that and stuff, it makes it a little bit more real, right? Yeah, it's one thing just to hear it like in in uh, passing from somebody else, right? That's got an opinion. When you see it like hardcore, like cold hard on the map, it's like wow, like, yeah. I can't believe that this was real. It, it's weird. It's weird. If you look, I I had to I had to show you that map sometime. Um, a, not a lot of places haven't changed a lot. Um, like well, Ardsley, just changed the way it's packaged. Right? Ardsley, same thing. Gordonston, same as it was back then. Um, weird thing, West Savannah was classified as a nicer place. Now West Savannah's like trash. Ugh, you know what well, I mean? Well, I should be careful what I say, but like it's it's a it's rough. It's a rough. It's rough. Spot. It's like, a rough spot to people be. pitch and me deals. Property on, values are low. So when I say trash, that's what I mean. Like, people pitch me deals in West Savannah. I'm like, dude, I wouldn't buy anything in West Savannah. Like, uh, I wouldn't. Plus, like, I think that um, some of the lower income individuals that are getting pushed out because of gentrification, gentrification on the east right. side. They're going to have to go somewhere, and I think that the west side makes the most sense because there's not very much development going on there. Well, it, you know, and it's it's a shame that, you know, you, you want to try to right wrongs that have been done. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you do that? Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's I guess it's something, something to think about. We're probably not going to solve on this podcast. I think about sometimes. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe we'll we'll think about it. We'll come back and you know what the solution is. I don't know, uh, but you know, I look at a lot of these deals. Yeah, I looked at one man, um, like a week or so ago. And, you know, this he was a tenant, right? But he'd been there forever. And he had this just like scummy landlord, you know, wasn't keeping up with the property, which is most of the properties we get. A lot of them are scummy landlords who don't do maintenance, right? Would you agree with me? Like, this is a lot of the properties we see? Yeah, like a lot of the, yeah. A lot of the ones. It's definitely common. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I hadn't done the maintenance. This guy's been there forever. And we ended up not doing a deal. The landlord, landlord wanted too much. But I just know that this guy's going to get basically thrown out of his home because somebody's going to come by this place. And fix it up. I'm like, dude, and it's not, you know, I well, don't know. We what were dealing that. I mean, I, I'm, I won't be too. I'm gonna be generic, but like one of the deals that we had recently done, right? Like that was what's kind of going on. Like, yeah. Uh, the tenant was paying under rent, safe to say. Right. Right. Like the rents in that area definitely support a higher rent. Right. And that tenant's gonna have to go because that's gonna all be gentrified. Yeah. 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 Um, well, but what do you do? I mean, you want to see a lot of these houses are run down. You want to see them get fixed up, right? Um, it's a catch twenty two. Yeah. yeah, it's almost. I wonder if they should offer like grant programs for people that have lived there for like an excellent. Like if you've had a house in an area for like more than ten or fifteen years, and then like people start coming in and gentrifying like that neighborhood, 
Mm-hmm. Maybe they should offer some kind of grant program for people so they can stay. I so stay. I, I've thought about that because you know one of my neighbors, you know, older couple, and you know the house is just not in good shape, and I'm and they can't afford to fix it. They up, can't right? afford. The problem is you can't afford to fix it, and then what are you going to do? You have to fire sale it. You know what I mean? Nobody's gonna, um, you know. So it's, I mean, it's tough, right? And you know, a lot of a lot of people can't, you know. If you're old, you're on Social Security, you're not getting a, a HELOC to pull out some money to, I mean, it's tough, you know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't like the government to get too involved in things, but on the other in the other side of things, you know, we institute governments among ourselves because we, I guess we decided it's preferable to anarchy, right? You know? Yeah, somewhere, I mean, somewhere definitely serves a purpose. So, right? so otherwise we would have no government. You know, I, you know, I used to be a real hardcore like libertarian kind of like real like I was like Ron Paul twenty twelve. You know, like what's up? I got friends like, like that. Ron Paul's like a, yeah. like a middle. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> you know, I've I've kind of modified my position a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think there's, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a softy. I don't know, but it's. I don't know how related this is, but there's a, it's, I don't know, it's coming to mind. So uh, this guy named Naval, he was on, um, I think his name is Naval. Anyway, he was on Joe Rogan podcast and he said, uh, yeah. when you're young, if you're a social, if you're not a socialist and you're young, it's because you don't have a heart. If you're old and you're not a capitalist, it's because you don't have a head. I don't know, man. Cause I mean, I hate paying the tax man just as much as anybody else. You know what I mean? But there's, but you, you like know, to help people. Yeah. Um, and when you're young, I think your heart's, I think that, you know, you're, when but, we're younger, yeah. I think younger people have a tendency to want to. You think you can change the world? I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then you get a little older, and you're like, have some kids, and like, or you know what I mean. Like you, you collect these things, and you're like, right. I don't want people to touch this empire that I built. Or yeah, and now, now you're, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. Um, you know, the other thing, if we're getting like a little more government philosophical, you know, we talk about landlords who don't take care of their house, right? Yeah. And then they end up having to sell them for sixty percent of you know what they should, fifty percent, whatever. Um, you know, I kind of look at that. You know, as a we look at, you know, look at our city or look at our country, you know, have we been investing in the future of the country? You know, no. I don't think so. You know, I, 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 you look at education, you know, you look at a lot of things that are important that like nobody wants their property taxes to go up. Do people hate it? Like it's, it's like the worst conversation, you know, the high school I went to back in Pennsylvania, like really good high school. Um, there's also decent property taxes out there right and they were talking they said hey we you know we got a little budget shortfall we want to raise the property taxes just like a little bit and people were just like oh my god this is the we're gonna burn burn this place to the ground you know what i mean well the problem is nothing is uh all at once right so like you'll have like 2.3 percent inflation right yeah. it's like the target inflation from the fed sometimes a little higher sometimes a little lower but let's say like you have that inflation over the course of like three to five years and then it'll raise the property taxes right well, the property taxes have to come up all right, the time to yeah, then they, it yeah. versus just like raising your property taxes two point three percent every year. But you know, my my property taxes went up, and I was like, "Those bastards." Well, it's one thing if you're like in a great yeah. school district, right? Like if you live in the city of Savannah and the schools were great, the roads were great, and everything ran great, yeah. and you felt like they were using your money correctly, maybe you wouldn't be so upset about them taking a little extra taxes. Yeah. But when tests, well, let's just like this is not an opinion, right? When, like the test scores are low, right? Right, like. Yeah. They're building that massive monstrosity. In- I haven't even thought about that too much. Like, I, I should look into it. I know people ask me, like, oh, should I buy real estate over there because of the arena? I was like, I've, no. I don't think <laughs> I don't so know. either, yeah. Do you have money to gamble? Like, if you have money to gamble and you want to throw, 
thirty grand at some, you know. Well, there's no guarantee it's gonna work. And it's not yeah. like the Civic Center's kept up that nice. Yeah. Like I mean, the land around the Civic Center. No, what, what would be nice though? But like, it's not because of the Civic Center. Yeah. The Civic Center brings that neighborhood down. Doesn't bring it up. What What would be cool though is if you could actually go to like a. How many seats is that place going to be? Do you know? It's it's like a it's a ridiculous amount for not having a professional professional. See, concert. I would like to be able to go to like, like a like a legit concert though in Savannah. Like you got to drive you got to drive to like friggin' Atlanta, you know if you're gonna. How many people are gonna come headline a show here? I don't we're, know. We're man. a town of like hundred and ten. Yeah, it's kind of a small. But I mean, if you're the only uh, only place, to, I don't know, man. Whatever. You I know? think that if. They're already spending the money on it. It's like, already done. Like, yeah, I'm like, not... What's the point of complaining about it now? Like, it's already happening, you know? Um, I did hear somebody say, though, a great analogy, which is, like, they can't even run a cafe in Forsyth. Like, they're going to run this 160... Yeah, what was up with that place? What, um, I don't, it's Collins Quarter now. Yeah, I've, I've been there. It was great. Oh, really? I had some this great... Is like, real Collins Quarter? Yeah, I set up... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like, a different menu than uh, one... Um, seems to be a little more casual. I just had drinks. I don't know. I didn't eat there. We went... Had some drinks. Set oh, up the hammock. So I don't even... They close at like six, I think. That's weird. Yeah. Why? I don't know. How many times I've been there at like six thirty? I'd be like, oh man, if this cafe was open, it'd be great. And they're like closed. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if the city like requires it. Maybe they don't want people hanging out at Forsyth after dark. Which mm. makes sense. Well, I don't think you're supposed to be there after dark, are you? I have no idea. But, like, there's a certain there. time. I work at Forsyth sometimes. I just walk down. Dude, one time when I was younger, this is a fun story. I was uh, when I was like a lieutenant in the army. I was like hammered coming back. My buddies lived on like Gwinnett. Um, by Forsyth, you know, yeah. like on the yeah, um, and I just like walked through the park at like midnight, one o'clock, and there was like a car with this lights on, like right by the uh, that friggin' Confederate statue. Oh yeah, like in the grass with its lights on, out in the middle of Forsyth. Yeah, and I was like, "What's going on? Like, <laughs> what? What is this?" And uh, I actually called the the cops. I was like, "Hey, there's a car here. Just like there's nobody around." And, um, you know, I don't know, you know, what's, like they just came and like, what's going on? I don't know. Apparently it was like some kind of sting or something. They were trying to see if somebody would take it. <laughs> Wait, really? I don't know. Yeah. Like they parked the car in the middle of the on the grass. Yeah. Cause some <laughs> cops came up and I was like, all right guys, I'm going to take my leave. Like who in their right mind? <laughs> I don't know. would be like, Hey, you know, this car in the middle that's of the for, grass. That's for, so, so I know you're not supposed to be there at midnight. Yeah, you're not, yeah. So that's yeah. the point of that story. I got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, still crazy. Yeah, I don't know what was up with that. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Um, Your tax dollars hard at work. That's it. I, I I made friends with some of the homeless guys that hang out in Forsyth. They're actually um, really nice guys. A lot of them. Yeah. 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 Um, it's crazy. Well, yeah. you know, not that I expect them to be any different. I'm just saying, like, they're pretty down to earth. Like you would think. Yeah. Just you know, stop, have a chat. You no know. Problem, yeah. Yep. In fact, we met this one guy. He hangs out on the steps of the um, customs building. Is it the downtown on Bay Street? Yeah. 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 And he said, uh, he said he want, he said he just wanted to be homeless. Like he didn't even ask me for money or nothing. He didn't care. He's just yeah. like, I just get freedom to do whatever I want. I don't have to worry about property taxes or bullshit. That's jobs. goddamn property taxes. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough to make a man want to be homeless. Don't want to Seriously. pay property taxes. <laughs> I'd rather live on the stoop. So yeah. you're talking about um, you're having problems with your south side right now. You have tenants in there right now? No, I don't. Um, so that's the problem. God, yeah. So yeah. I had a. Uh, um, I was excited. I had a I had a short term tenant in there paying me a lot of money, and it was good. And then he was like, "Hey, I'm moving out in August." I was like, "That's perfect timing. August is a great time to run it." Cool. So I do one showing. I get like three or four applications. I accept one in August. I was like, "All right, we're good to go." And then I go on my vacation, and that's when it all goes downhill. They go to move in. 
they weren't satisfied. The uh, there's a little bit of dirt. Paint needed to be touched up, I guess. Whatever. Like a day or two later, after the inspection, I get out of mountains. I was like, hey, we'll take care of this right now. And they're like, oh, we're moving out. And I was like, well, you, you can't because you signed a move and it took the keys. So, like, you know, this thing is, you know, like, like, we don't put a ring on it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just, you can't just go. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I was like, it's cool. I'll give you a discount on your next month's rent for the inconvenience. And we'll get this stuff handled right away. You know, we'll, you know, very sorry. We'll, we'll make it work. They're like, no, we're, we're, we're moving out. And you're going to give us all our money back or we'll go to court. And I was like, it's not, it's not really how it works, you know. Yeah. But, um, so I thought about it. And, it, you know, if I wasn't a real estate agent, they wouldn't have seen a dime back. But I am. So I, I just gave them. So they got their security deposit back. Really, because I, somebody could leave me a bad review online. And it's just like, no good, you know they could go to the real estate even if i'm totally in the right like it's just a fight i don't really want to have you know but i was a little lazy cutting them their check back for the rent they'd already paid and i was like oh, i'll get to it i'll get to it later you know and in that time i've been showing it had a couple applications turn them down for whatever reason you know and now i'm having a lot harder time running it so they're not going to get that rent payment back um I've got, yeah. So, so right now. Do you feel like they were serious about that? Or you feel like No, they just, they found something else. You know, they wanted, in my opinion. um, Because you don't just, especially when I'm going to give you like almost half a month rent credit for the inconvenience. Like, I've never had that happen in my life. You know, and the the place is in pretty good shape. Like, there was some paint that needed to be touched up, but it wasn't like. Terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, So that was a pain. Um, Those freaking vacations, man. Yeah, that's it's tough. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, I've had applications and I've, I've said no to all of them so far. And there was even one that I normally might have said yes to. But we have this whole eviction moratorium thing going on. I'm not putting somebody in that house unless I'm sure about it. You know, which in your experience has that been being followed pretty strictly? Like, are people following that guideline? I don't know. I mean, I me or anybody I know, we, we've not had to. Well, I mean, well, the court, yeah, I mean, the court hasn't, they stopped evictions for a while. They started them back up again. But now since the CDC thing, have they stopped again? So there's certain caveats to all that, you know, like it's not a blanket, like there's no evictions period. I think there's like income requirements and some other stuff, you know, but um, to be honest, I don't know. I haven't really had a need to look into it, you know, so I haven't looked into it that deeply, but I do know that like there's enough uncertainty that. I'm not putting somebody, I'd rather sit vacant, dude. I'll pay the mortgage, you know, like, cause you put a bad tenant, especially when you can't get rid of them. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just make, dude, my mortgage payment's like 780 bucks, whatever, man. You know, it's not the end of the world. So I do, uh, what I do now is open house showings. So I used to go show that thing, you know, any of my rentals, like anytime somebody wanted to see it, like, oh, one's good for you. I would show it to just one person, right? I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I do an open house. I learned this from Aaron, our mutual friend, Aaron. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll do like one or two a week. You know, if anybody calls and asks me about it, I'll say open house this day. I say, oh, well, I can't make it. I say too bad. You know, I don't care. So that's when I show it. And that saved me a lot of time. Have you ever thought about doing like a 3D tour online? I have one. Okay, yeah. you have one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, you use the same system we did, right? The iStaging? Um, no. Oh, you switched? No, my photographer just Oh, your it. photographer just yeah. does it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, and then, so are those the only two you have? Uh, we got a duplex. Um, we live in the bottom of it. Okay. So we great, house hack. Yeah, we house hack it. Yeah. The whole mortgage um, paid for. We got that duplex, and then I have another one um, out on West Victory. Um, so the duplex, yeah, actually my wife owns the duplex. So um, she used her VA loan. Um, we just recently cashed out refi, pulled out 20 grand. Payments the same because the interest rates went down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, our, our tenants, we have great tenants, um, pretty much friends of ours at this point, and they basically pay the whole mortgage. You know, so it's a good, it's a good deal, man. We live for free. Deal, yeah. yeah. Had a lot of appreciation. We, we stole that thing anyway. Um, you know, you, you make a lot of your money in real estate when you buy. So we bought that one, right. You know, we Warren really, Buffett says with any investment, you make all your money, you right. make your money when you buy. Yeah. So yeah. we, we bought that one, right. I mean, as soon as I think came on the market, I was in Korea. My wife was in Kuwait. When was our agent? I see that thing pop. I was like, when, you know, this one's it. And then, you know, so you know, we, we were trying to find another one. My wife's like, when are you going to find another duplex? And I was like, look, that was a special deal. Like, it's it's not easy. Um, especially, especially right now. Everybody, everybody and their mother wants multifamily downtown. I get people ask me, well, I had another guy ask me. He he, he sent me a house, um, a friend of mine, or duplex out on Anderson. He's like, hey, what do you think of this? And I was like, it's overpriced by 30 grand. I was in it last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know. What do you think they take for it? They probably take asking price, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's crazy, too, because, you know, if it stays on there long enough, eventually you're going to have somebody that's just going to, from out of town, have no idea what they're doing. They're just going to buy it. Yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, there's, um, you make fun of, like, the California money. You know what I mean? It's and making things expensive. We had a, yeah. we just bought that, a duplex and had to overpay 20000 We had a bed 20000 You bought one? Yeah, we bought one. Where'd you get? Uh, on uh, Hurdy Drive. Actually, a vlog's dropping tomorrow, so check it out. All right. All right. Uh, well, I won't ask you too many. I'll check out the vlog. No, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I, I don't think the audience is like quite the same, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's just like a duplex. Uh, you, you saw it, I'm sure. Did you see it? It was listed. It wasn't an off market deal. Oh, you did buy that one. You yeah. showed me that one. The yeah, one by Thackeray or whatever. Oh, we um, asked you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we had con- so yeah, you did yeah. buy it. You yeah, we bought it. it yeah. So you're gonna flip it. Yeah, we're gonna flip it. All right, man. Yeah, we're gonna try cool. it out. We yeah. uh, we ran into some issues right up front, like uh, in our due diligence. Yeah. I don't know. Did you see that third unit in the back? I didn't see it. I don't like, know if you, how much yeah. they listed it online. It was like also potential third unit in the right. back. We called the city. They're like, like we saw that on the MLS, and like we know that that's not permitted. So like, do what you want at your own risk. You know, yeah. basically, do not whatever you do, do not develop that because we yeah. have, we already know about it. Right. It's like fuck. So anyway, are you still doing it? Yeah, we're still gonna do it. I mean, that drove the rental price down. Quite a bit, because like a lot of it was wrapped up in that back unit, right? You know, because the unit was like nothing basically, which you'll see it on the vlog if you guys want to check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. look up Josh Mosler, but um, anyway, so you, at, so at Vestlet, your specialty is investors. I would say, um, God, that's probably sort of my business. I mean, I dude, I'm not going to turn down a client, of course, right? You know. Um, the, and the good thing about working with investors is I think it, it really helps inform just like a regular buyer, just cause you know, like if I go look at a house that's been flipped, like I can tear it apart, you know, right. like this is like, I know exactly what it is. Somebody wants to buy a fixer upper. I can say, Hey, look, I just had a client there. They just bought a fixer upper. You know, it's something that, um, would not have been a good deal for a flipper, you know, but they liked it. It was fresh to the market. We knew if we wanted it. You know, we probably had to get close to what, you know, they were selling it for. 
but they want to live in it, fix it up, sell it in 10 years, you know, make a lot of money, good deal. So like, you know, these, these aspects of the business kind of help each other out. But I, I like really working with the investors more because I, I'm not, you know, I don't like to, Oh, look at these cabinets and look at this kitchen. Like, yeah. dude, that's so, I like the numbers. I like, you know, getting dirty. Like we're going to, um, what are we going to do to rehab this house? You know, what, is this a good deal? Like I enjoy it. Um, so I think that's more, more our focus. Um, but as we add people to the team, you know, everybody has their little niche, right? Like, and I think that's, you know, what I like about the team that we're building is everybody can kind of work on one thing and then, you know, Hey, if I got somebody who's better, a better client for somebody else, well then we, you know, we hook it up, you know? So do you have like, um, targets that you're trying to hit on in your investment career? Like in the next few years? Just kind of like ride the market. Well, uh, you well, know, I should ask you this: yeah. What do you think the market's about to do? Do you think we're gonna dude? I don't know, up? man. Like it's I don't weird. know. Uh, I mean, I have ideas. Um, and we're young, right? So like, it's yeah. hard to judge. When you're when you're young, like time in the market beats trying to time the market almost always, right? Now you never want to overpay on an individual asset. You know what I mean? Like, and you can always overpay. You could have overpaid for a house in 2012 when prices were rock bottom, right? Oh yeah. But in general, time in the market beats trying to time the market. Um, what do I think is going to happen? So I'm, dude, I mean, I, there's like two competing forces, you know, one is a lot of people are out of work. Um, well, so the news, I mean, do you know a lot of people are out of work? I should ask you that too. Do, I always, do I've I, been asking everybody Do I personally? That. Yeah, personally. Hmm. Maybe there's probably some people from high school. I don't, I don't know a single person. Yeah. But most of the people I know or like still in the military or like well our hometowns got hit pretty hard right because you're pennsylvania i'm michigan oh that place has always been like it's, it's, yeah, it's that's how it was it doesn't out. get a whole lot worse than it already was yeah that's <laughs> you how, know yeah. my hometown jeez um I mean, in fact plastic manufacturing is big where i'm from yeah so those guys got busier yeah like they didn't lose their jobs at all yeah um but it, it, you know i'm worried about inflation you know yeah that is what so that's like do you follow ray dalio at all yeah, well, his hedge fund hasn't been doing too good this year, so I don't know. Dude, he's about... like screaming from the rooftops like inflation's coming. Yeah. Um, he's got me... St- I, I was like listening to nothing but Ray Dalio like two weeks ago, and I was like terrified. I don't like... Cut, I like... I can't, you I can't keep listening yeah. to this guy, dude. You listen to like Bill Ackman when he had the uh, the Skies Falling speech in like April. I don't know, man. So, you know, the Fed... Dude, the Fed's printed an absurd amount of money. You know what I mean? But the thing is, a lot of that stuff doesn't make it down to Main Street. Like... I think we're getting like two economies that are diverging, right? You've got, or you can almost maybe say three, but like anybody buying a house, most people buying a house, like a $200,000 house in Savannah, like that part of the economy is, most of those people are still doing okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're still buying. Um, Most of the people that are getting most beat up are people who weren't buying houses in the first place. You know what I mean? Um, And a lot of this, you know, a lot of these institutions have a lot of money like your your blackstones and your you know big you know your reits you know they've, they've got a lot of cash um and debt is super cheap you know you can get loans for dude, i just i got a client where we were supposed to close yesterday we're going to close next week um va jumbo like a million dollar loan like two and a quarter no points it's so cheap that's so cheap that like the inflation is going to be more than interest rate on his loan. It's basically like he's making money by just having that loan. 
it was just nuts. So, so I don't know, man. So the, the answer is I'm not really sure. Um, so I'm kind of trying to play, you know, like I just, I just, well, you know, I bought, I just closed on, on a rental like a month ago. So like, I'm not, I'm not, not buying property, but I am being more careful. Right. And everything I'm being more careful placing a tenant, obviously, like I'm, I'm being more careful than I would have been, you know, a year ago. Um, I think you got to protect yourself. I think you want to stay liquid when you don't know what's going to happen. Like, don't put all your money into a house. Keep some money, you know. But if the money, if inflation goes out of control, right? Well, it makes I mean, more sense that it's in real estate than it is in your in your bank account. Yeah, well, you, you got to hedge different things. You know, what if diversify? You know, what what if? Because um, inflation can happen, but like, you know, what if you suddenly need ten grand? You know what I mean? That's how that that. You know. What, I mean, what real it, estate's not as liquid as stocks. I get it. it's not right. here, but you yeah. know as well as anybody yeah. else, you list a house. But you don't want to sell. Days. You don't want to sell. I don't want to ever be in a position where I have to sell an asset. But what's you know? the difference if you have to pull ten thousand out of that, out of a house, or if you have to spend ten thousand out of your account? Well, the difference is I, I maintain ownership of the of the piece of real estate that I liked enough to buy in the first place. You know. Well, what I'm saying is like, let's say that you have twenty thousand dollars in your account right now, right? Yeah. And you use that twenty thousand, you buy a house, right? And your right. argument is, well, what if I need that twenty thousand in a month? Well, you you can't. What if what if what if I need money right now? You know, how what many I mean? situations do you need twenty like today? Maybe not twenty thousand, but you might need five grand right now to fix an air conditioner. You know what I mean? Or you might. Well, need... you should always keep around capital for that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Maintain. I'm not saying keep a hundred grand in the bank for a rainy day, okay, right? Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I get, I'm saying, no, it's, yeah. keep keep enough liquid, you know, and and make sure that. And this applies to any time, even the best economy. This is a this is a rule that I think applies anytime. I I'm just you know, don't have you don't want to ever be in a position where you don't have any cash oh yeah never you know yeah. but i, mean, I know like people like cardone's like whole theory of like spend to zero then like rebuild i don't subscribe to that like at all yeah because like, i get the idea that cash is trash because cash in its real form you know in a savings account is negative it doesn't do anything for you yeah it doesn't yeah. it's losing money every right. year right and, but i don't subscribe to the theory of just like zeros yeah you know yeah but i, I think don't. a lot of people do right now I don't. I don't think it's smart. I mean, look at Grant Cardone. Like, what happened though? Man's back. He just know. bought another. He just did another fundraiser. He raised because uh, idiots give him money. I'd never give Grant Cardone my money. I would never give him my money. I'd never give my money. But I, I mean, that's still. He's got a good shtick though. I mean, he's he's a marketer. You oh, know, he's what I mean? great. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, his assets seem to perform okay, right? Like, I mean, I'm on the Cardone Capital like Facebook group. Yeah. And those guys do great. Like, they're happy anyway. I mean, some of them you'll get like the occasional like. Why was my check lower this month? They're like, how much lower was it? Like, I like lost five percent. Like, I don't know, man. Dude, dude, you know who else was happy though? Was like the people at Jonestown when they were drinking that Kool Aid. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess Robert yeah. Kiyosaki. You follow him at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. His, so, Rich Dad Poor Dad, like, great book for the mindset. I'm not a big fan of Kiyosaki. Like, you don't subscribe to the. Like, I like the book, right? But I just think this guy's got, like, a call to personality around him that, like, I just... And the, I thought the book was a little hokey. I was like, dude, like, like Robert Kiyosaki was talking a lot of shit on his, like, real dad or whatever. I was like, that's not very nice. That's the guy that raised you. You know what I mean? You're just, just talking shit on this guy. I, I think, you know, whatever. I mean, it was a good it was a good narrative. That He probably made all that shit up. You know, but I'm sure, I'm but sure at least 
port, the large portion. The large part of it. Yeah. But it's a good narrative. It gets the point across, it's right? It's too perfect. Yeah. I, I read it and I was like, all right, you know, this, yeah, like, cool. Robert Kiyosaki. I mean, it's like, a genius idea. Even if all of it's made up, it's, yeah. The guy's got a great mind, right? Like, yeah, no, it, it got the point across. I read it and I was like, wow, this is absolutely right. You know, um, this is, um, you know, there's good debt, there's bad debt, there's assets, and asset makes you money, you know. Um, yeah. So do you just subscribe to the cash flow theory more? Like, are you doing 15 or 30 years? 30 year, dude. 30 I'd year. do 40 year if they let me. <laughs> yeah. I'd never pay that shit back. <laughs> just keep <laughs> yeah. refi after. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so dude, your you cash got, flow is king? Not king. I mean, there's other things to consider, you know, if, if you're buying. But cash flow is very important to me um so yeah cash flow is very important but but there are other metrics i mean you look at you know the internal rate of return of your asset you know which is influenced by cash flow but it's also influenced by buying at the right price you know um there but ca- to me cash flow i, I don't want to pay down i don't why, wanna... why cash flow because it's making me money right now because a because a, it's making me money right now B, because it's a safety net. If I have a vacancy, but I have good cash flow, you know, the, ideally the asset is self-sustaining. I don't ever have to put money into it, right, after after I buy it, you know. So that's what I would prefer. Um, but it's making me money right now. It's money that I can use, you know, every, you know, if I if I got something that's cash flow in 200 bucks, well, that's 200 bucks I didn't have before that I could use it right now. I could use it for beer money. I could use it to buy another asset. I could, there's so many different things I could do with it. And when interest rates or 3%, why would I ever pay that back? Like, whatever, man, you know, I don't want to pay it back. Um, I write that off my taxes, you know, I, I, I get why some people want to pay it back, because as soon as you pay it back, your cash flow goes up, right? Dramatically. Big time, you know, but I could just take, if I had $100,000, I could buy one house cash for $100,000, or I could buy five houses it's twenty thousand well, dollars down. Subscribe to Burr. You know the question is just whether or not like you want to be a thirty year or fifteen, right? Like in fifteen years, you want to own that thing, or would you rather cash 30 flow for thirty years, forty, fifty, you know, thirty? Whatever. Yeah, thirty. I, I would do refi for twenty, twenty nine. Yeah, refi time. I, I I would. I mean, because like all that cash, that so you know, let me, let me take an example. Say say you buy a house, and it's got a cap rate of like seven. I don't know. You know, so anybody listening knows that a cap rate or might not know that cap rate is like your return on investment if you bought the thing, which is straight up cash, right? Yep. So that's what cap rate is. So if I buy a house, usually you don't look at a house in terms of cap rate either, but whatever. Let's, you know, I'm buying an asset and the cap rate is seven. Um, but if I use cheap debt to finance the purchase of that house, I can see a cash on cash return of like, I don't know, maybe 12. I'm just throwing it, you know, it depends oh, on, yeah, like ridiculous yeah, it depends, rates on it depends on a lot of different things, you know what I mean? But let's, let's just use those numbers, seven and 12, right? So if I have a hundred thousand dollars, I can buy one house that's getting me 7%, right? Which is cool. 7%. That's the stock market. That's the average return of the stock market. Nothing wrong with 7%, right? But if I could take that hundred grand and buy five houses, get me 12%, like the same exact house, but it gets me 12%. What's better? Do you know? Yeah. I mean, no brainer to me. Like, and and people will be like, oh, should I pay down my mortgage early? Like, no, no, don't pay off your mortgage early. That's that's some uh, what's that guy? What's the uh, 
Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, dude. Dave Ramsey's good if you're like not in control of your finances, right? Like if you're just out of control, like Dave Ramsey's good for that. But well, I do think that it's not bad to if you follow Dave Ramsey for personal finances, right? Like if you own your own house, that's not necessarily a bad. I don't think. I don't think you should. Own, I don't. Just keep the debt. And, and people say, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Go it's ahead. security, right? Offers Dave Ramsey is for security, right? So like if. Yeah. If the economy falls and every single one of your tenants stop paying, right? Like take the rentals, like that's what that's what's all leverage, right? But at least I my house is paid for. I own my right. house, like I don't have to worry about it. And and ultimately, all I really have to do is come up with property taxes every year, and and I can survive, right? Like obviously, I don't know. I just don't subscribe to that, but that's fine. You know, teach the run, right? Everybody's got and and my my tolerance for risk, I think, is less than most real estate investors. Like I've passed on a lot of deals that might have been decent deals you know what i mean so um you Which, know with you hanging out with you and aaron i actually that's another piece of advice i use all the time that i think about all the time which is uh he said uh when you're young you th- you feel like you want everything to be a slam you know home run mm-hmm. but when you're a little bit older you're fine with base hits and i think that when you're young i think it's not just you that don't, that's not that is maybe like a little less risky i think when you're young you're a little less risky you know what i mean i don't know i mean because really, you can afford to be more risky. If you lose, you know, I don't know, but th- th- it's not about age. What it's about is how much money I have. You know, if yeah. if if I have a whole lot of assets and a whole lot of money, and I take a chance on something and it doesn't pan out, oh well, you know, not the end of the world, you know. But where I am now, you know, I'm not loaded, right? You know, I'm looking for a flip. I want to know I'm going to crush it out of the park. I don't want to take a chance on on the maybe. You know, because now if I if I'm doing five flips at the same time, I'll take a chance. You know what I mean? Because I got four other ones. If they don't pan out, you know, whatever. Like one of those is, you know, that's that's how I look at it. So anyway, paying off your notes early wouldn't recommend it. And the other thing is too, the more equity that you have in that house, the more likely it is the bank forecloses on you. You know, if it comes to that, because they know that they're going to get their money back. You know? Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I'll tell somebody, like, if you're really dead set on paying this thing off early and you just know that you've got to pay it off early, just put your money in a savings account, you know, put a, put put extra money in a savings account so you have enough to pay the whole balance in full and then pay it. You know? That's what, what about the do. money that you waste on interest? Dude, it's, it's like 3%. <laughs> like, I mean, but it's still something. And, and the other like thing is, too, you're like, paying all your interest up front anyway with the way they amortize these loans. You're paying all your 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 interest up front anyway. Yeah, the bank gets their money like right away. The, the bank's getting theirs. You know what I mean? Yeah, put that stuff in a savings account if if you really insist on it, right? If you really really just have to do it, put it in a savings account. Buy treasuries. You know, you could buy tips like treasury. Like treasuries. Well, you you can buy like inflation protected treasury bonds. You know what I mean? Like, there's different. I don't know. Buy gold. Shit. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Wait a minute, are you are you big on gold? Are you diversified anywhere else besides real estate? I mean, I got like an IRA, some yeah, yeah, equities. Yeah. You know, I thought about gold. Um, I think I thought about Bitcoin. Who hasn't thought about it? I just think it's like a French thing, you know. Um, but I know some like serious investors who you know put a little bit of money into it because like just in case, right? It's like one of those things. If you if you're doing a bunch of real estate deals, you can take a chance on something that might be a dog, right? If you got a bunch of money, you could throw ten, twenty, thirty grand into Bitcoin just in case. What if it does, you know, become the way that we use currency? It'd be nice if you had some money in it before, right? Never tell you my Bitcoin story. 
What's your Bitcoin story? So when I was in high school, I used to um, go on websites that required Bitcoin. Don't tell me you used to have like 20 Bitcoins like in high school. Yeah, I really did. I had 13 Bitcoins. Jeez. When I got into college, I needed money. Well, I didn't, I don't know, you know, you feel like you need money, but really you just want to have a good weekend. Yeah. So I, so I sold them for 130 bucks. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> when they were hovering at 19,000 each, I was... That's tough. I was a little upset with myself. But, I mean, who would ever... I never thought that. You never would have known. Dude, yeah. I was there... I mean, we were, I was using them back in the day when, you know, you just never knew. No one ever guessed that I was going to go mainstream. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like a fringe, like, forever. You know? That's how things work, though, huh? Well, you know, bought some pizza and beer with them, huh? Yeah. Yep. Bought some beer. What about a Rolls Royce? Um... What about, uh, who are you big on right now? Like, what are you listening to? Like, who, where are you getting, like... Dude, listening to the Mosler Perkins podcast, of course. <laughs> um, Thanks. What am I big on? So, I, I just bought some books on uh, marketing. Which ones did you get? I was going to ask you. I don't even remember, dude. I just ordered them on. <laughs> I just went on Amazon. I ordered whatever had reviews. So, they're coming in today. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start looking at that. Um, what have I been big on? I read, um, I read a book on... Um, uh, Nazi Germany not too long ago. I like history, you know. Um, you ever listen to hardcore history? I haven't, no. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Don't, don't start. Yeah. You'll waste, like every episode's like four hours long. Yeah. And uh, it sucks you right in. I go, I go through phases on podcasts. Um, right now, I, I'm not in the podcast. I'm, I'm jamming out in the car. Okay, so, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, I'll, I'll get back at the, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I do the same thing. Like I'll go through, like I'll get hooked on a series and then like I'll watch... Like, I got hooked on Joe, like, I keep bringing up Joe Rogan, but that right. was, like, my last podcast, like, series that I got all into, and uh, I'll just, like, get hooked for, you know, three months, and then now I'm listening to, like, EDM, and I'm driving around, and, like, I'll get on Max Maxwell for a month, and yeah. you ever follow Max Maxwell? No. Oh, he's another great one, but he's, like, a real estate investor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's all about investing. Um, I guess one last question before you go. So, I was going to ask you about... What's the situation with you? Create that whole document about well, the future of the city of Savannah and their whole plan with like what's going on. Yeah. Do you have any like update? What's going I on? I haven't even that? followed up on it, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I need to. I need to. It's so one of the things I'm going to try to get back into is like actively blogging and like creating creating content. Mm-hmm. Probably I I generally do enjoy. You know I like to do it. I like to do the research because it makes me smarter. But I, I like to put myself out there. Also, of course, it's good for the business. Yeah. Right. We're talking like you know, SEO and stuff like that. Like, you know, but yeah, I need to follow up on it. I'm just, my day to day is just, I'm so wrapped up in my day to day that I'm not focusing on the strategy that I need to, you know, but I got, you know, I got stuff happening right now that like, that needs, yeah. Who cares what the city of Savannah is doing? Like we need to like, yeah, grind. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I would like to come back with an update. Okay. Next time we'll get you on here again. Yeah. Next time you bring an update. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, uh, sure where can people reach you? Well, uh, my website, trophypointrealty.com. I'm on uh, Instagram, pat underscore wilver. Just changed my handle. I think that's some more. Uh, okay. More, yeah. Or uh, my phone number, 724-674-7652. Give me a call. All right. Thanks for Boom. coming on, man. All, All right. right. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Josh.